Hey guys, on the podcast today, we actually have three guests. It's amazing. Uh, this is a really special episode for a number of reasons. First, we get to highlight three phenomenal people that are doing incredibly impactful things in our world. Next is that the inspiration for this particular episode came from an event Elizabeth and I were able to attend where Admiral William McRaven was the keynote speaker, which by the way, if you don't know who Admiral McRaven is, and uh, I didn't know at, at the time, you most definitely need to check him out. He has accomplished many lifetimes worth of great things uh, and has a phenomenal personal story to go along with it. Admiral McGrabbin's message during his keynote drew from the iconic film It's a Wonderful Life, where the main character, spoiler alert if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, by the way, which I think most of you have, where the main character, George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, has an incredible impact in the lives around him, but he doesn't really know it until a slightly quirky guardian angel named Clarence has to point it out to him towards the end of the film. George, after a series of misfortunes, falls into a depression, feeling that his life has no meaning and wishes he was never born and is going to jump off a bridge to kill himself. Before he can, miraculously, Clarence, his guardian angel, appears and stops George. The angel then attempts to convince George that his life does have meaning and that there are people that depend on him and shows George an alternate world as if he had never been born. So the town where George lived and grew up is different, the name is different, it's dark, it's run by the mean Mr. Potter. Ultimately, the seminal moment occurs when the angel shows George the tombstone of his young brother, Harry. When George was young, he saved Harry's life from drowning when he fell into the ice. So when George sees his tombstone, George is confused, and it's, and it's confused by the dates on the tombstone and tells Clarence it's, it's impossible. No, he says, no, I, I swear my brother is alive, and I know he's alive, and he received the Medal of Honor in the military for saving a troop ship of 500 men. But the angel reminds George, said, no, Harry died because you weren't there to save Harry from drowning in the lake. And because Harry died, Harry wasn't there to save that troop ship of 500 men. It's at that point in the film you realize it's not just about George or Harry or even the 500 men on that troop ship, but it's about their children, their children's children, and so on. And certainly most of you have seen this film, so it's not anything new, but the way Admiral McRaven used this narrative uh, to highlight that everyday average people all can be George Bailey and all are George Bailey in their own unique way. He ended his speech by saying, quote, you change one life and you never know how that's going to affect thousands of lives. You're all George Bailey, end quote. This episode, thanks to Admiral McRaven's uh, inspiration, uh, highlights Three people in our lives that, that we feel, uh, you know, among many, many people um, that are kind of a George Bailey type person for us, Bob Milner, Philip Wilkerson, and Barry Blanton. Each of these past guests shared their George Bailey story. Bob describes when he left Los Angeles after four years and unbeknownst to him, he had left a great impact on numerous people. Philip talks about how a chance networking event gave the opportunity to reveal that his son had type 1 diabetes and they were able to be proactive and find that diagnosis before it came too late for his son. And lastly, Barry Blanton talks about when he was diagnosed with lymphoma and how he responded to that and now what he is doing because he is a lymphoma survivor, he has gone on to raise 
uh, help raise more than a million dollars here in the local community and be part of several events that raise awareness and raise money. So please enjoy these short snippets from our podcast with Bob Milner, Philip Wilkerson, and Barry Blanton. Welcome to the Everson Cooper Podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. When we lived in Santa Monica, I led a dealership there. And I ate lunch every day at a place called the Daily Grill, unless I was going somewhere to meet someone else away. Every day I ate lunch there. At the bar, second chair from the left of the bar. (laughs) I was the father to so many bartenders, helping them with their physics, their calculus, their statistics, because they were all aspiring actors, actresses, screenwriters, musicians, and they were working here while they were going to school, and I would help them with their homework. That became the routine every day. And where this Daily Grill is is in the Yahoo Center. Around the Yahoo Center is uh, all of the record companies, HBO, Cinemax, so it is the mecca of entertainment. And every day I'd call my wife and say, hey, you know, I'm at lunch, and and I'd say, guess who I'm sitting next to? Every day she would say, Tom Cruise? And I would say, no, not Tom Cruise. Because I would sit at the bar next to so many celebrities or musicians, and many of them, I didn't really know who they were, I just recognized them, and we would have very interesting conversations about great myriads myriads of anything in life. You know, it was just conversation about nothing. Because I didn't want their autograph, and they would just like to have somebody to talk to, right? Mm -hmm. For four and a half years. So... When I decided that I was going to move and leave this organization, like a few months before that, I called her one day and I said, guess who I'm sitting next to? And so she said, someone else. And I'm like, nope, Tom Cruise. <laughs> and she goes, you are not. I said, I am. He's two boosts, two chairs down from me. There's not a chair in between us. And, you know, he was very quiet. We said like 10 words to each other. Uh, but the one time she didn't say Tom Cruise was the one time I sat next to Tom Cruise. Um, but it was really cool because I'd kind of become family to everybody who had ever worked there. So when I told them that I was leaving and moving away, you know, my last day at work, they kept saying, now, are you going to come in on your last day for lunch? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll be in. I wouldn't miss it, you know. Well, at work, they threw this big going away party for me. And it started at like 10... And it was going on and going on. Uh, finally, I got away at like 1.30, and it says, I need to go down to the Daily Girl. I promised I'd come down and see him before I left. So you would park underground, and you would take an elevator up, and when you got off the elevator, you would walk into the Daily Grill. So when I got on the elevator, they had decorated the elevator. Congratulations, Bob Milner. Aww. When I got out of the elevator, they had banners and balloons all the way down the walkway. When I got in, they had my chair that I sat in for four and a half years. They had my name on it. Oh they had balloons on it. Wow. And employees who hadn't worked there in three years came back, and they were all there waiting when I came in to eat. And the chef made me 
like little things of every one of my favorite dishes there. Mm -hmm. So he made me like a miniature hamburger. He made me a, a miniature flat iron steak. He made me a miniature cream brulee. There were like miniature macaroni and cheese that he cooked in a skillet. There were like eight things he made for me. <laughs> oh and I was like, you know, you go through life and you do the same thing over and over. It becomes a routine. It, you know, you take it for granted and you don't realize the footprint you leave mm -hmm. everywhere you go. And that's when I really began to understand the impact of your footprint. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, there were people that hadn't worked there in three years. There were like seven general managers. Some of them didn't even work for the company anymore oh that gosh. came back to be there at my last lunch. Thank you to Bob Milner for sharing that story. You can hear his entire podcast episode, episode number seven. Next, from episode number two, we have Philip Wilkerson. Honestly, it's it's a great networking story as well, because um, uh, another lady and and myself were um, starting to get involved in different networking events, and we had just met each other. And she does accounting services, and and we we're seeing where the synergies were between us. And she invited me to come see one of her presentations, and I thought it was kind of odd because she wanted me to give her some feedback on that uh, presentation. And I told her I would, and so I, you know, I attended that, and she opened up with, a year ago, her son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, mm. and the symptoms were drinking a lot and going to the restroom a lot. And I'm sitting in the audience, and those are the exact symptoms that my son was experiencing at that moment in time. And I still get goosebumps right now, you know, talking about that moment. Because yeah. uh, my wife and I just had that conversation about let's not fool ourselves because he had just started tackle football, you know, in Texas, hot, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Sure. Um, and um, we were just having that conversation about don't fool ourselves, that maybe there's, maybe there's something wrong. And then I sit in on that on Wednesday, and it just hit me like a ton of, mm -hmm. ton of bricks. And so that Saturday morning, we went to the local clinic, and, uh, you know, um, I got my blood sugar tested first, and they tested mine, and then they tested his, and it was four times mm -hmm. mine. And right then, we knew there was a challenge, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or some, something wasn't right. And we were within an hour, we were at Texas Children's Hospital, and within 30 minutes, we were diagnosed, and within 30 minutes, we were checked into the hospital with IV treatments and insulin. Mm -hmm. Is that fast? And we would have ended up there either way. But because of that networking event and because of her adding that to her presentation, the message was delivered to me, and we were able to treat my son proactively before getting there catastrophically. Sure. Right. And so that's a testimony to networking, but it's also, it's not necessarily our plan. Sure. Right. That's sure. a divine intervention yeah. put us together to, to help my son. Yeah. Right? yeah. Thank you to Philip for sharing that personal story in episode number two. Lastly, we have from episode number 16, Barry Blanton. I am a 14-year non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. Good for you. I was diagnosed. So the, so the funny story, you talk about, uh, the, the funny story was that I can remember the day that I had surgery to remove a lump from my neck that they didn't know what it was, didn't know that it was cancerous at the time was the day that they toppled the 
toppled the Saddam Hussein statue in Baghdad. Yeah. And the reason that I know that is because I was I had surgery at like one o'clock that day, and I was at home watching TV because I couldn't do anything and I couldn't eat. And they were doing news coverage of what was going on in the war. And that started what turned into a several-month process that turned into a diagnosis of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in about June. And I went through six months of chemo and came out on the other side in 100% remission and have been there ever since. Good for you. Um, It's a life-changing experience, just the process. I did not have what I had was not considered life-threatening at the time. And frankly, I tolerated the chemo pretty well. But the type of cancer that I had is considered treatable but not curable. So it can come back. And even though that I'm 14 years out, I still go every two years for checkups because it can come back. But once I got past about 10 years, they feel a whole lot better about the fact that it won't come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But it's an, it's an, it's changes your perspective to go through something like that. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I can't even imagine that, uh, having to deal with that personally. Um, and so I guess, talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, the when you went in for the appointment and it's you, you realize like, oh, okay, so this is what we're doing now. This is, this is a little bit of a life change. You know, I think the thing that hit me, the point that it hit me was when, you know, there, that, that's a staged, pro, it, it covered several weeks before I was ultimately diagnosed. But the thing that I remember the most was walking through a passageway from the parking garage into MD Anderson and walking under a sign that said, Welcome to MD Anderson Cancer Center. And I realized that I was there for my own cancer. That sort of is when it really hit me upside the head, sort of. So, and, and that was, it was eye opening. I mean, it, it put a perspective, like I said, it, and for me, it was a huge faith opportunity, and I had to let go of some things because I'm a little bit of a type A personality and like to try to be organized and controlling and things like that, and I had to realize I had zero control over this, how the treatment went, what the outcome was, what the diagnosis was, all of those things were totally outside of my control. I could educate myself on them, but I really had no influence over them. Yeah. So it was a, uh, I had to let go. Sure, sure. Now, something you can control is what, uh, I guess, not necessarily the outcome, but what you did afterwards. And something that you did afterwards and and continue to do, and you co-founded the Woodlands Light the Night. So talk a little bit about that. Talk what, um, where that idea came from, uh, your involvement in that, I guess, kind of what you guys have accomplished over the last couple of years and give, give our listeners and, and really myself too, uh, you know, some background on that. Cause that's, that's something that is amazing. You know, you're not just, uh, you know, a, a lymphoma survivor. Now you're someone who's doing something actively to kind of kick it into the pants. So an interesting thing about that, and I've seen in my years since what I went through, some people go through experiences like that and then choose to put them behind them and they don't even want to talk about it, much less be involved about in in anything related to cancer going forward. That's not the choice I made. I I decided that, you know, that happened to me for a reason. And what what really happened, and I used to say this in the beginning of the early days of Like the Night, is that I don't want, I, I told you a minute ago that my disease is considered, I was told, I can remember the day that my wife and I were told, you have a disease that's treatable but not curable. 
And basically the doctor said that I can't tell you, I will never be able to tell you, he was looking at my wife, I will never be able to tell you that the cancer is not going to kill your husband until the day he dies on a tennis court. And I said, well, I don't play tennis. Does that help? But, and, and, but and anyway, the point is that we, did, we didn't have any control over that. But when I looked at it afterwards, I didn't want, I don't want my children or grandchildren to have to be told that they have a disease that's treatable but not curable. Mm-hmm. And that's really what motivated me to get involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And Light the Night is a nationally run program. I did not, I did not do anything to bring Light the Night to the Woodlands by myself. We, the, there was a walk in Conroe at the time, and a couple of local people who had lost a loved one to leukemia were involved. Um, Julie Peters and Julie Bell and myself helped bring Light the Night to the Woodlands for the first time in 2005. And I think what I'm the most proud of is that in 2005, we raised $31,000. This past year, just a few months ago, we raised $1.2 million. Holy cow, good for you. So what that amounts to is over time is over $7 million has been raised in Montgomery County uh, to cure blood cancers. And the cool thing about the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is that so much of the money goes to research because that's all we can do is research. The um, There's... Early detection doesn't matter. Lifestyle doesn't matter. Exercise doesn't matter. What you eat doesn't matter. None of those things, you can't educate people to stay away from things that cause blood cancers. Blood cancers can happen. Somebody can wake up with blood cancer tomorrow. And so that's why everything that we do through the LLS is focused on research for a cure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you went from 31000 in 2005 to $1.2 million. This, this past year in 2018, mm-hmm. you that's that's amazing. If the story stopped right there, if we stop if we stopped the recording, awesome. Well, just so you know that what that went from a grassroots committee with some local people that put the walk together and everything to a chapter driven, staff driven logistics, an executive committee with a huge team of volunteers and a year round effort. I mean, the what we did this year was largely attributable to a great. Uh, executive committee and the uh, walk chairman were co-chairs from the Howard Hughes Corporation this year, and they did a great job of helping us hit that $1.2 million. Good for you. That's incredible. You started something beautiful, and we're certainly in a community where everybody wants to be supportive of everybody else and what they're doing, and Mm -hmm. it's a very generous, very encouraging, very uplifting community. So you've done some beautiful things, and you you certainly got stuff started, and there's there's tremendous value in that, and you're making a difference. I know that when I, I, I mean, I just met you a couple months ago at a network in action meeting, thanks to Stacey Harris, which everybody <laughs> knows, and they've certainly heard of her on our podcast, if nothing else. And I immediately just like all I heard were, first of all, beautiful things, and second of all, when we met, you just have this like aura and this passion and this excitement for the things that you're doing both with LLS and in your business and in the community and you're involved with the Vell Institute as well and you know you're just doing great things and I love that so I appreciate you for of course being here today but the things that you're doing all the time to to make people better and impact them is well, just it's very meaningful and it's awesome. I'll tell you a quick st- story about Stacy Harris I don't know if I've told you this and how I first met Stacy. <clears throat> Stacy was 
in charge of a fundraiser for the American Cancer Society, and she was doing a fashion show. And she wanted all of her models to be cancer survivors. And somebody referred, actually, I think it was Julie Peters, referred her to me, and she asked me to be in a fashion show. And I said, are you crazy? (laughs) You talk about something outside of your comfort zone. No, thank you, I won't. (laughs) Needless to say, with influence of Stacy and the, and how hard she is to say no to, I ended up walking down a runway right, as a model right. raising money for the American Cancer Society, which was a great cause, and that's how Stacy and I came to one, know one another and become great friends. <laughs> that's a great that. story. I love that. Thank you to Bob Milner, Philip Wilkerson, and Barry Blanton for sharing their stories. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and it's pretty cool to know that you can be George Bailey in so many people's lives, and that there are so many people around us that are George Bailey's for us. Thank you for listening. One more thing before you go. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more episodes in our archives at eversoncooper.com slash podcast. You can also find all past episodes on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to send us a review and a rating. We are not trying to feed our ego. Just ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners that could benefit from what our guests have shared. And our guests then benefit more uh, from being on the podcast. So rate and review us on iTunes, podcast app, and all those other platforms I mentioned. Speaking of platforms, we would love it if you shared the Everson Cooper podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever social media you use. Lastly, if you want to receive a fresh new Everson Cooper podcast episode every Wednesday, be sure to subscribe and you will get the latest episode sent right to you automatically. Thanks for listening. <laughs>